Let's go back to the time when schools were segregated. Everyone has a story. I'm your host, Chris McLean. Welcome to The Time When, a podcast exploring the lives of everyday people. Now is the perfect time to hit pause and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. For additional information pertaining to each episode and to find out our monthly book club choice, visit our website, thetimewin.net. Now that summer break is here, I thought it would be interesting to do a series on everyday people and their experiences in school. Today's episode is the first, and my guest is going to tell her experience in middle school when she would go to an integrated school for the first time. The story is especially interesting to me because the school she is talking about is a school that I currently teach at. Before we get into the interview, I want to provide you with a little history on the city of Wilmington in Delaware and their plan to integrate their schools. The year is 1978 and there are 10 suburban districts and one city of Wilmington district. The city of Wilmington district was majority black students and the suburban districts were majority white students. So the city came up with a plan to unite those districts into one big super district. And the plan was for the city students would spend nine years in suburban schools, and then the suburban students would spend three years in the city schools. So doing this would cause students to be bused to schools that weren't close to them, right? So for nine years, city students would be bused out of the city to these suburban schools, right, for long bus rides. And then also the suburban students would then be bused into the city for three years, right, also on a, on a long bus ride. And that would lead to unintended consequences with some parents pulling their, their kids out of the public schools to go to private or, or Catholic schools. But what really interested me in this topic of integrating schools was I recently listened to an episode of Revisionist History their podcast. And in the episode, they argued integrating schools had good intentions, but in reality, it left the minority students worse off. The episode argued that in the segregated schools, the black students had black teachers who knew their families and held them to high expectations and enabled the students to feel comfortable in the school. And that once they moved to integrated schools, they no longer had teachers that looked at them the same, didn't really have the high expectations, didn't look like them, didn't know their families, and so that caused their achievement to go down. To listen to the full episode from Revisionist History, uh, I put a link on my website uh, if you want to listen to it. It's, It's interesting. But it left me with with a question of would the achievement gap today be different if we still had segregated schools? In this episode, we will hear from one woman's perspective who attended an integrated school on on what it was like the first year it opened. Hello, everyone. 
For today's episode, we are going to hear the story of one person living through the desegregation of schools. The year is 1977, and our guest, Michelle Phoebe, was going into eighth grade for her second year of middle school. Hello, Michelle. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be interviewed by you. Yeah, thanks. When schools became desegregated, did you have to change the school that you were attending? Oh, absolutely. I lived within walking distance of my elementary and middle school, which were in one building. Mm. And I attended from first grade through sixth grade in the elementary, but then only seventh grade in the middle school before we had to bus over to Conrad. Okay. And so was that first school predominantly white or was it kind of mixed? It was. We had in my grade, there were two African-American students and one Hispanic student. Yeah, it was very, not very diverse at all, but they were, I think our grade, our seventh grade class, we were kind of, everybody was friends. You know, there were, you had a couple of kids who were just like, you know, the meanies that you didn't want to be around, but mm-hmm. basically we were all pretty friendly and, and nice to each other. Okay. And so, so then the next year in eighth grade, you had to change to a new school, right? So it was incorporating a a bunch of different schools now? Yes, it, um, Conrad High School was disbanded and all of the high school was sent to Wilmington High School. Um, Krebs Junior High, Oak Grove where I went. And I think there was another middle school in Richardson Park, but I'm not positive. We were all combined into Conrad for, Mm -hmm. for middle school. So what was that like the first day uh, when you arrived at this new school with a a bunch of new people? Wow. It was going into it. I had like no idea of desegregation. I had no idea how hot parents were on the topic, how hot people who didn't have kids in school were on the topic. I just Hmm. had that, holy crap, I have to ride a bus for the first time in my life. How am I going to find that bus after school to get my ride home? (laughs) I mean, that was like my main concern. And am I going to be able to find my classes? Are my friends going to be in my classes? That was, I think, the main concern of my friends and I, because we were Mm -hmm. just like new building. We don't know our way around. We'd be Mm -hmm. totally lost. When we rode the bus in on the first day, it actually came down Boxwood Road and made a right onto Jackson and came around the front of the school before it went to the back parking lot to drop us off. Mm -hmm. The minute we turned that corner, it looked like the whole world was on the block and the street right in front of the school. There were tons of adults with signs, horns. They were screaming and yelling. And then there's a line of state police troopers trying to keep them off the property. Wow. It was just, it was the scariest thing. Everybody, when we turned that corner and we all saw the whole bus got silent, Hmm. nobody said a word. And we were like, oh my God, (laughs) what are we walking into? Yeah. It was just, it was absolutely crazy. That must have been frightening to uh, to see as a, as a kid. Oh, my God, it was. I had never seen that many people that angry in one spot that I was going to. <laughs> I mean, I might have seen stuff on the news when my parents watched it where you see crowds of protesters and everything. But that, like, doesn't affect you because you're not there. Mm-hmm. We were, like, right in the middle of all of this. And it was just, it was terrifying. Mm. It was totally terrifying. How, how long did that last? Did they, did they come back for like a couple oh, of they days? Were, they were there for at least a week. I mean, I tried not to look every day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the bus would go by. I'm like, yeah, it, just, it just unsettled you so badly. 
that I just tried not to look at it. But I think it was like for at least a good week or two, they had mm. protesters out front and there were news cameras and everything. And, and it was just, it rocked my world. It really did. Wow. What was it like uh, going through that whole first year uh, of the school being integrated? It, it wasn't that bad as time went on. The first, I think, couple of months were the worst. That first day of school, I don't really, I don't remember a lot because I, I think I was in shock from yeah. just the people yelling and screaming and signs and everything. Yeah. But the first day of school, I don't remember going to any classes. I don't remember if I made it to my homeroom class. Wow. The biggest thing I remember is they did send us home early. And before they did that, they had most of us in the cafeteria just sitting. And it was, oh. it was like quiet. You could hear a pin drop in the cafeteria. State police were at the doors to the cafeteria, just making sure everything was okay. Wow. Because there were kids fighting in the hallways. It's like you'd, you'd round a corner and you'd, you'd see a fight. You'd just see a jumble of kids fighting. Wow. And you're just like, you know, backpedaling, <laughs> getting away from this. But they ended up sending us all home. So we're sitting in the cafeteria and I'm sure they had some kids in the gym too, but I was personally in the cafeteria and we're just like looking around. Everybody's shell-shocked because we just can't believe. I mean, we've got white kids, we've got African-American kids, we've got Hispanic kids just all sitting around in the cafeteria, quiet. It never wow. happens that that yeah. many kids in one room and they're quiet. Especially in middle school. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. All of a sudden I looked over, I was just like watching the doors because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was scared to death. And I saw my brother come in and he's like six foot three, mm -hmm. has strawberry blonde, curly hair like me, but his was teased into like an Afro. <laughs> and that was just, that was his thing. And he's like six foot three. So he's like six foot six with his hair. <laughs> he came walking in the door and I jumped up and just ran to him and just hugged him. Cause I was like, Oh my God, my brother's not going to let anything happen to me at all. <laughs> and it was like, I don't remember anything, but I just remember we went home. He took me home. Do you think the, do you think all the protesters outside like kind of caused some of the, the fighting in the hallways that you said was going on? I think they caused all of the animosity. Mm. I think in my personal opinion, if the parents would have kept their mouths shut and just kind of talked to their kids and said, look, you don't want this to happen, but you can make it work. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can make it work. You can all get along. Everything's going to be fine. Instead of going in us versus them and versus them. I mean, it was like, there were three factions. It was the Hispanic kids, the African-American kids and the Caucasian kids. Mm -hmm. That first couple of months, there were a lot, there weren't as many fights in the hallway, mm -hmm. but you would still have kids just in each other's faces and all of a sudden punches are thrown. But after about two or three months, things settled down. Yeah. And we got along together. I mean, I, I had friends on the basketball team who were Hispanic and who were African-American. Mm -hmm. I have friends in my class the same way. I mean, we, we got along. Once the adults kind of like stopped screaming about it. Right. We all just, we got friendly. We got to know each other. And we just like kids do, we made friends. Right. So it was like the adult interference, I think, is the one thing that just really blew everything out of proportion. Wow. But the rest of the year was great. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember how like the teachers, like did they ever like do anything like to like talk with you guys or? Some of them did. Um, some of them tried to like bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. And if they knew that there were two kids who were having an issue in the class, they would just kind of like try to 
bring up in conversation, okay, you two, what's your beef? Mm-hmm. What is your problem? You know, what's your problem with him? Well, what's your problem with him? Right. And they kind of tried to help. Not a lot of them did. And we didn't know all the, all the teachers. They were, mm. a lot of them were new to us because they came from Krebs and they came from you know, other places. Oh. But the ones from my school at Oak Grove that we knew, some of them were very much trying to, let's just, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's you know, make you realize you're all just human beings. You're mm-hmm. all just kids. You right. have no reason to bring your parents' fight into this. Right. So. Yeah. Did you, did you find that, or, or what, so what do you think was the, the basis of most of the people's anger, like most of the parents' anger? I don't know. I, I personally, as a kid, I never figured it out. And as an adult, I can't understand it either. As a kid, I can tell you, I did not want to have to ride a bus. Mm-hmm. I did not want to have to go to a different school. Right. I wanted to go to my neighborhood school because I could walk there and mm-hmm. I could play sports and I didn't have to ride a bus home. I could walk home or, you know, right. my brother could come and get me or my, my parents could come and pick me up in the wintertime after basketball. Mm-hmm. But that was my main thing was that I liked this building. I wanted to be there. I wanted to go to Oak Grove. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to Conrad, but I had no choice. Mm-hmm. So I did, <laughs> you know, and you just, you adapt because you have no choice. Mm-hmm. So you said that the teachers were, were the teachers integrated? I know you said some came from other schools, but were there, do you remember if there were any teachers of different like ethnicities or races? I remember two specifically teachers that I had who were African-American and one, I believe his name was Mr. Lane. He was our Spanish teacher Mm -hmm. and he was fun. He (laughs) had a great sense of humor. And he was, he was one of the people to diffuse the situation in his classroom with humor. Mm-hmm. And he did a great job of it. Because we had, believe it or not, we had a lot of Hispanic kids taking Spanish wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of weird. Because I'm like, don't you speak the language? And they're like, yeah, but, you know, we have to take it. We have to take something. So we're going to take this. Mm-hmm. But he was, he was great in class with diffusing a lot of the kids' anger and, and just and answering questions. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I had him for the two years that I was there, I had him for Spanish both years. And he was just, and the, the reason I chose him the second year was because he was just such a great guy. Yeah. The, um, the other teacher that I remember was Mrs. Flowers and she was our typing teacher. So I'm really dating myself here. <laughs> but typing and shorthand. <laughs> she was a little more stern. She was a very nice lady, but she was much more stern because she was just, she was like a disciplinarian. There was, this is the structure in my class and you're not going to deviate from it. Mm-hmm. She and I had an issue because I just couldn't get all the squiggles with the shorthand. That mm-hmm. was the only problem I have with her. <laughs> Typing, I was great, but it was the shorthand. I'm like, I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't even remember one Hispanic teacher hmm. at Conrad the first two years. What about your, so your second year when you, went back to uh the integrated school for for ninth grade did you did you notice a a change yes Hmm. there was the first week of school was so much more calm Hmm. you know kids were they were nervous about finding their classes as you always are the first week back to school especially if you've only been in the building one year and you don't really know the layout but there weren't as many racial tensions Unless mm-hmm. it came from like the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. like, you know, every school kids in the neighborhoods bring their neighborhood disputes into the school. 
which is difficult for administrators. But Mm -hmm. that was the one thing that happened was it was different factions in different neighborhoods that had issues with each other and they just didn't leave it at the school door. They continued it in school. Hmm. Other than that, we didn't have any, any real big problems. There weren't a whole bunch of fights. Mm -hmm. It wasn't any more than any other middle school Hmm. that would have been around at the time or even today. (laughs) (laughs) So what did, what did you do for high school? Well, (laughs) my parents um, very much ran the family. So they told me they did not want to tempt another situation like I had my first year at Conrad. They did not want to send me to Wilmington High School, which was integrated with Mm -hmm. our city kids and our suburban kids. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to Wilmington High School because that's where all my friends went. Because, you know, you're a kid. You want to stay with the people that you know. You want to stay with the people that you like. They told me that I either had to go to Catholic school, side note, we're not Catholic, (laughs) or I had to go to Del Castle. So lesser of two evils, I chose Del Castle. But unfortunately, my parents didn't spring that on me until my ninth grade year. Hmm. Del Castle at the time, and I don't know, they may still do it. They had a ninth through 12th grade program. So your ninth grade year was an exploratory where you could go through all the different pathway shops as they called them. Mm -hmm. Um, to kind of help you decide what you wanted to do and where you wanted your pathway to be. I didn't get that choice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, um, I started there in 10th grade when you have to choose your pathway because you need those three years in that pathway program. And I wanted to do cosmetology. Mm -hmm. My parents said no and Mm -hmm. chose dental assisting for me. (laughs) I have never worked a paid day as a dental assistant in my life. (laughs) So here's a note to parents. Don't just choose for your kids. You got to find out what they're interested in because dental assisting and teeth, I am totally not interested. (laughs) So, so was Del Castle pretty integrated? Del Castle was very integrated. Um, They had, I think an entrance exam that you had to do. So you had to make like a certain percentage in grades and all that. It was much easier to get into back when I went there for high school because people weren't trying to, everybody was trying to get in. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Conrad today where everybody wants to come to Conrad mm-hmm. and you only have so many seats. Same thing with Del Castle. But at the time they just pretty much, you know, you, you applied, you took this entrance exam and boom, you were in. Hmm. So pretty much you could read, you could write, you could add, you're in. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a packed school. I know it was, it was much, it was, the building wasn't bigger than Conrad, but it seemed like we had more students in there because the hallways were always so crowded, but there wasn't, there weren't any racial tensions. There weren't kids just hating you because of the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a much more relaxed atmosphere than my middle school journey was. Had that school been integrated for longer? Do you think that's why there was less? I think it had. I think mm-hmm. it had because it's not a theater school and it's, it is a public school, but it's Votech. So they have their yeah. own district and they don't just accept certain kids within a certain radius, mile radius of the school. You know, it's right. you apply. And if you live in Middletown, you could still have gone to Del Castle because this mm-hmm. was way before St. George's. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you think you've, you've taken from this experience from, from living through this, desegregation of schools? 
Well, one thing is, I think I know where my anxiety started from in large crowds. Mm. I don't like to be around large, noisy crowds too much. I, I tend to, to freak out a little bit inside. I get a little very much unsettled. Wow. Um, but I just realizing that people are just people, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's good and bad in everybody. And it doesn't matter what color your skin is, what language you speak, how tall you are, how fat you are. None of that matters. It's, it's a person's heart and soul. Mm -hmm. Good people exist in this world and it doesn't matter what they look like. Right. They're just people just like us. We're all humans, one race. Yeah. So, I think it made me more open-minded really. Wow. So that, that fear of large crowds, you think really, that really <laughs> yeah. changed you, huh? <laughs> yes. I think up. so. That was the largest, angriest crowd I ever saw firsthand in person. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, just it stays with me i can okay. still if i close my eyes right now i can still see it i can hmm. see them holding the signs i can see the guys with the cameras you know i can see the state police standing there at attention and it's just wow. it's still it kind of makes my heart quiver a little bit when i say when i imagine it yeah i i was just reading a, a story about like ruby bridges and how she was six going through that and i was like man i can't imagine being six I can't imagine either. And I can't imagine what she took from that, the anger, just because with me, I, you could feel it in the air. And I can't imagine a six-year-old having to deal with that. I was what, like 11, 12, 13, mm -hmm. who knows, you know? Yeah. And, and I handled it differently. How would a six-year-old feel? Right, right. That's, yeah. Crazy. Right. Just crazy. I mean, you might not. No, but like at the time, do you, do you know if there were some of these kind of protests at some of the elementary schools around here as well? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. My, my parents weren't, um, they didn't really talk to me about any of this mm -hmm. um, beforehand. They didn't say, okay, you're going to be going to school with a bunch of kids from a bunch of different schools and everybody's going to look different. But, you know, my dad was always, you treat people the way they treat you. Mm -hmm. He said, you always come at them kind and nice and helpful and polite, but if they treat you with disrespect, back yourself out of the situation. Mm -hmm. But then he also told me in school, if anybody hit me to hit them back really hard. And I'm just <laughs> like, okay. Mm -hmm. But I took that with my kids when they were growing up to, if someone hurts you at school, you do what you feel you need to do in the moment. Mm -hmm. If you want to run away, you run away. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you need to hit back, then you hit back and mm -hmm. we will discuss it, but you need to know me. What's tell me what's leading up to this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and with my parents, there wasn't a lot of discussion going on. There was discussion between them mm -hmm. about, Oh my God, there's somebody was knifed in the hallways. Nobody was knifed in the hallway. <laughs> um, you know, and all this, uh, they beat this kid within an inch of his life. No, that, they, no, they didn't. <laughs> you know? It's like you weren't there, but they didn't ask me because in their generation, I was just a kid. So what do mm -hmm. I know? Even right. though I was there. Right. <laughs> in right. The hallway. But it was, it's just, I don't know. Some of those stories probably lead more to the, the anger and the division of, of, the, of the adults. Oh my God. Yeah. The, the mistrust, just the basic mistrust. And it's like, why, you know, 
I'm not a very trusting person for, due to other situations in my adult life. You know, <laughs> people have done me wrong. So I'm a little bit more careful, mm-hmm. but as a kid, to me, it was just like, I had questions like the girls who had the beautiful braids in their hair. I mean, I'm talking to them about their braids. Didn't even realize that's not all their hair. I was mm. like, wow. I mean, I, I learned so much about a different culture just mm-hmm. in two years of the first two years of desegregation. Right. And it was just, to me, it was like really cool that we would get to know each other. And uh, it was really funny because one of the girls in one of my classes tried to, to put braids in my hair. Mm-hmm. My hair is so fine and thin, but I have a lot of it. I had like an inch of scalp between each, each braid that she <laughs> did in my hair and it looked horrible. And she's like, bro, you ain't got no hair. I'm like, <laughs> your hair's prettier than mine when it's braided because you know, you've got more hair than me. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I mean, it's really interesting story to hear about, you know, going through this desegregation. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to share it. I know you've come in to tell the story to my, my students sometimes, but I thought it would be good to have it on the, on the podcast as well. Yeah, it's, I think we have less time in the classroom with the kids because they, they, some of them had questions. <laughs> so we, we didn't quite get the whole story out too. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Christopher. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Time Went. This episode really left me thinking about how us as adults really impact children and how we often as adults cause problems amongst the children as we portray or put our fears and angers onto them, which causes them to also go out in the world with those same thoughts and fears and negative views of the world. Remember to subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already and leave us a review. And remember, everyone has a story.